Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Small Talk podcast. My name is Katie Fairman and I think today's episode has all the ingredients for being the best one yet. I know that's quite a bold claim to make at the start of a podcast episode, but I have just returned from attending Zandvoort, going to the Dutch Grand Prix, and what an incredible experience that was. I had probably the biggest interview of my career to date with Max Verstappen. Don't know if you've ever heard of him. (laughs) I also interviewed his teammate Sergio Perez. I had lots of other commitments over the weekend, some of which I will tell you about in this episode. I met Steve Carell, which is just life complete. I am such a huge fan of The Office. It's my go-to show. I mean, we'll talk about this later, but Steve Carell was on the ground. I snapped a cheeky selfie because I couldn't not. And just generally, I had a wicked weekend. The Dutch fans are absolutely wild. The atmosphere around the event was crazy. And there is so much I cannot wait to talk to you about. So without further ado, grab yourself a cuppa. I haven't had a good cup of tea in probably about a week, so I'm really going to enjoy the one that I've got for this episode. And let's jump into the intro. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let's begin with the beginning is a good place to start. I traveled to Zanfort via a car. I went with journalist Claire Cottingham. I know I've talked about her a million times on this podcast, but she was kindly driving to Amsterdam, Zanvoort Way anyway. And so I tagged along as her passenger princess this weekend. And we got the Euro shuttle or Lee shuttle from Folkestone and went to Calais and drove through Calais. You drive through part of France, part of Belgium, but only very quickly, and then through uh, the Netherlands. Uh, and it was about, after you got off the shuttle, probably about a four-hour drive, but it was still quite a good way of doing it, and actually saved us a lot of hassle, because on Monday, yesterday, when we were travelling back, there was an issue with the technologies and air control in the UK, and so I know a load of people that have been stuck in the Netherlands and can't make their way home which is obviously an unfortunate thing and some people have to go to Monza this this week so they're either going to have hardly any time at home or might just have to go direct to Monza which is not helpful but it just shows how much we rely on these technologies but anyway off topic so we got in the car and then traveled Wednesday evening ready to go to the circuit early Thursday morning and for those of you that are listening you might be familiar with the format of how an F1 weekend works so Thursday is media day essentially and uh, that's the day that I go I pick up my pass I have documents that I have to get signed by my publication which is Sports Illustrated and um, the FIA also have to have sent a confirmation letter and all this kind of stuff there's a lot of admin that goes on but essentially I hand over my documents to people that hand out the passes and in return I get my shiny piece of plastic that lets me in the paddock 
paddock, which is super exciting. And uh, I'm still just, I can't believe I'm collecting these paddock passes. Like I'm the, definitely the kind of person that will find some sort of display for them and hang them up proudly. They're not going to be shoved in a drawer. They are going to be on display in my office somewhere because I am so, so proud of them every single time I get one of them. But uh, headed to the circuit on Thursday and uh, I didn't have my interview with Max and Checo until sort of the middle of the afternoon so kind of just walking back and forth I try to attend as many open media sessions as I can so the first one was Valtteri Bottas at Alfa Romeo so we go um, like basically all media are invited to them and you can go up to the motorhome take a seat and then Valtteri appeared and people could just ask any questions they had and because it was summer break a lot of the questions that started were like how was your summer um he did a, a cycling race in a Duffman costume and so uh, one of the journalists asked about that and uh, if he'd not been tempted to try and do it in a Homer Simpson outfit and what the prize was and that was really nice um catch up with Valtteri got to see the mullet and the moustache up close I know I said in the last episode that I thought he'd be wearing his cowboy hat for the remainder of the season but nope he was still in his baseball cap so that was fine and then did a couple of those I actually attended one with Lewis Hamilton that was interesting I decided with all of these I'm always like you are only going to be here well I say you're only going to be here once hopefully that's not the case but I don't know when I'll be able to do opportunities like this again. So what I'm trying to do is seize the moment while I can. So instead of sort of hiding myself at the back of the room, I normally try and find my way up to the front. And so I was literally sat within like a two foot of Lewis Hamilton and uh, lots of questions being asked. And I thought, I am going to just go for it. Put my hand up and I got picked. And so I asked Lewis if he is if he's kept in touch with Sebastian Vettel because you know that that was like such a wholesome friendship that they had going on I have the recording on my phone but I'm not sure if I'm allowed to share it so rather than risk getting in trouble I will reenact the situation for you guys so I said to him something like hi Lewis I wanted to make sure I started it with saying hello have you kept in touch with Sebastian Vettel much since he retired at the end of last season and I've listened to it back just now to remind myself of what his answer was, but I made Lewis Hamilton laugh, okay? And I will take that with me to the grave because that's just insane. So he was saying that, yes, um, him and Seb do text regularly. He said that he saw him at the Monaco Grand Prix when Seb attended and then said that actually Seb had texted him over the summer break and that he hadn't gone back to him to which then I still had the mic in my hand and so in front of all these journalists and other people I went you left Sebastian Vettel on red to which Lewis laughed and I was like oh my gosh this is insane uh and he was explaining that when he was on his summer break he was basically putting his phone in a safe um he'd said in an earlier answer that when he was on summer break he didn't think about f1 once which I mean, fair enough. I wish sometimes with summer break and how long it feels I could be like that. I'm thinking about F1 every day of summer break. But uh, yeah, I thought, like I said, I don't know when I'm going to get these opportunities again. So I've just got to find that confidence within. And don't get me wrong, it's not an easy thing. I mean, so far, the two questions that I've asked in these kind of big things, I haven't stuttered my way through. That's always my biggest paranoia is that I will either ask a question and people around me will think it's stupid or I will trip up over my words or something along those lines. But um, I think that's just the imposter syndrome in me going, you, you can't do this. So I am glad that the ones I've done so far have all gone smoothly, um, touch wood. But yeah, I just thought, screw it, girl, 
you don't know when your next going to be here apart from the fact that I will also be in Kota but I don't know if there'll be a sit down session like this with Lewis he might be in the press conference or something like that so I was just like yep grab every opportunity with both hands and run with it so yeah there we go making Lewis Hamilton laugh just amazing um, and I really wish I could play the clip because I'm really proud of it but like I say I don't want to risk getting in trouble and then the thing that was the big interview of the day was Max Verstappen and uh, I have really not had much time with Max. I know I mentioned in a podcast for Silverstone that I asked him a question in the press conference. But apart from that, like there's really not had any chance to see him, spend time with him on any kind of level. And the one thing that Claire told me, uh, the journalist I was mentioning at the beginning of the episode, is she said that he can be very starey and he likes to keep eye contact. And that is something that I'm really trying to improve on this year. I um I had a really somebody that I have so much respect for. I won't say her name just in case, but um a PR that has worked in Formula One. She's now doing some bits in Formula E in the Formula E season this year. She came up to me and said that she almost sees like a younger her and myself. And she said, like, have more confidence, keep more eye contact with the people that you're interviewing, and you know, just go with it. And that advice has really stuck with me a lot because like I say, I have so much respect for her. Um, and so to get her to give me advice like that and she's totally right and I knew that I did it sometimes I would really struggle with that eye contact element of it so I've really been trying hard both in Formula E and Formula One to maintain that eye contact and actually it does help me just grow confidence naturally and so I thought right Max Verstappen you and I we're gonna have a stare off here obviously wasn't quite as intense as that there was blinking involved but yeah that was my one thing of like maintain that eye contact Katie and get through this and the brilliant thing about the interviews that I do with Sports Illustrated is that they can be about anything, really. The brief I got at the beginning of the season was Sports Illustrated wanted to show them more off as people, as athletes. The majority of their audience might not be diehard F1 fans. They might just be casual fans who see something. Oh, Max Verstappen, I've heard about him. I'll click the article. They might not care about Red Bull's DRS or the characteristics of the Zandvoort circuit, but they might be interested in like, he, he. we talked about what he's been watching on Netflix recently, for example. And he said that he was watching the Tyson Fury, or it's more like the Fury, um, I don't know what you call it, like docu-series on Netflix. It's a bit like reality TV. I think it's called At Home with the Furies. But um, Max said that he's been watching that. And so I said to him, really? I didn't put you down as somebody who would enjoy that kind of thing with your Molly Mays and all that kind of stuff. But he's full of surprises. We also talked about his cats, which, you know, sometimes I think there are journalists that have been doing this for 30, 40 years. You know, they're, they're the ones that always say, oh, I've been at every Grand Prix since 1979 and all this kind of thing. And then I'm coming in two races in and asking a two-time world champion about his cat. Sometimes I do think, am I, am I doing this right? But actually he really opened up about it he told me about an incident that he had earlier this year where one of his cats got stuck in a cupboard um you might be familiar with the story but essentially uh he said that when he does his streaming and his uh, esports at home normally he's got a couple of cats i think and they'll come into his room that he's got and uh you know either sit by the monitors or play sort of around his feet which i guess can be a bit risky if you've got pedals and things but uh, he said that he'd noticed that one of his cats hadn't been in for about an hour or so. And so he paused his game and went to go and find it. And he could then hear this meowing coming from a cupboard in the hallway. 
And so he thought, okay, well, I'll just open the door. So she's probably somehow shut it on herself and the door wouldn't open. And so what he had to do is break down the door with a hammer because the cat had moved basically i think it's he's explained it like one of the gates that you get and so it can either be like a dog proof gate or a child proof gate the ones that you can sort of assemble um in a doorway so to stop certain people from going through and from yeah what he explained that had somehow fallen like the cat maybe jumped on it in the cupboard and it fallen shut the door and then stopped you from being able to put the door handle the full way down so yeah he smashed down this door with a hammer very gently, of course. Um, he absolutely adores his cats, and he was saying like he had to be so careful with the placement of where he was putting the hammer at first because he didn't want to hurt the cat, of course. And oh, it all sounded like a real drama. But I think that he liked the fact that he wasn't being asked about oh, what's it like winning all the time? How how do you make yourself so competitive? Why this? Why that? Like, don't get me wrong, I still ask some of those questions, but I try to change it up a little bit. Um, like I asked him about what it's like to have a home race, but I asked him to explain it to me in three, three words. So, um, that was interesting. And actually I asked Checo the same question and they both had very different answers. I can't remember them exactly, but Max was something like exciting, relaxed, which was one of the key ones and, uh, something else. And Checo's was slightly different. I'll see if I can find them, um, on my phone in the recordings, but, yeah, that was really, really cool. And what else did we talk about? I asked if he did much DIY because he had this hammer to hand to knock down the door, to which he said no, that his dad does most of his DIY for him. So it's good to know that world champions still have to rely on getting their dad over to help them assemble some shelves or something. But that was very, very special. And lots of people have asked if I got nervous beforehand. And actually... I got, don't get me wrong, there's some nerves and I think it's natural to have nerves and sometimes I think it's good to have nerves because it means I'm aware of how amazing this opportunity is. I really, I never want to be somebody that takes any of this for granted at all because it's just such a pinch me moment. But I was a lot more relaxed than I thought I would be. I had, I interviewed Sergio first and he was lovely. I don't want to talk too much about the topics we discussed because I want to save that for when it goes live. I don't want to spoil anything. But he was super friendly and chatty. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed speaking with Sergio. And then, yeah, Max was after that. He was a few minutes late. That's the thing that made me a bit nervous is that it was meant to be at 3.15 or something. And then it got to 3.15, it got to 3.16, it got to 3.17. And these minutes seemed to drag on for ages because I was thinking, oh my gosh, what if he doesn't show up or... Um, but he was he was all good and actually at, at the end of the interview they said oh like this is we've actually we allocated more time for this and so I had asked all my questions I mean I would have loved to have stayed and chatted with him off the record for five minutes but actually I was like yeah okay cool well you can have five minutes of your crazy day to chill out like I don't mind that was my Thursday amazing I'm so thankful to Red Bull I must stress that the fact that um, Red Bull were so on board straight away and um, willing to let me speak to Max and Checo in the same day and on Max's home weekend, I'm so appreciative of. Then we had the actual racing and on-track action. And obviously the biggest story of Friday was Daniel Ricciardo. He has been back, this was his third F1 weekend back with Alpha Tauri. And 
I mean, it's so frustrating. Like the amount of times this weekend, I sort of just be like, oh, Daniel, oh, Daniel, why, why did this have to happen? But the reality is, oh, some context for people that maybe don't know. There was an accident with Oscar Piastri at the banking in Zamvort and Daniel was coming around the corner didn't look like he didn't see the yellow flags to warn him of uh, an oncoming incident and then from my opinion looked like he was a bit spooked to see Oscar there he he said himself he either had the option of crashing into Oscar or going into the wall and with all of this split second judgment he forgot to take his hands off the steering wheel which is like rule number one when you crash in uh, single seaters and things like that or any kind of racing take your hands off the wheel because it will snap and so will your your hands and that's exactly what happened so almost immediately he knew that he'd done something to to his hand he got out the car holding it and you know you think I know it was an only in free practice two session but the adrenaline you've got going around in your body sometimes can maybe tell you that you feel fine when actually you are hurt but the fact that he instantly knew something was wrong he was like really in a lot of pain from his radio messages like we knew it wasn't going to be very good so yeah he has broken his hand his left hand and he was replaced by Liam Lawson which we can talk about in a minute but yeah I'm just so gutted for him um I would say he doesn't have any luck but it's one of those difficult tight ropes to balance because the reality is he made the mistake right uh, you know everybody loves Daniel Ricardo. every F1 fan has a special place for him in their hearts but the reality is he messed up there and he's since had to pay the consequence of being out of the car he's had surgery on it now and for somebody like Lance Stroll obviously I'm not a doctor I'm not a medical student but um, I'm guessing different bones have different healing times or different um, links to how quickly something will heal. So where Lance Stroll in the in the winter break broke both of his wrists, he was back in an F1 car in two weeks. And we've also seen that in F1 Academy. Um, Hamda Al-Kwasabi broke her wrist and then won an F1 Academy race all within a 75-day time span. So it's difficult to sort of label how long recovery will take for something like that. But the hopes are that he'll be back for Singapore, which will be good. Um, as much as I'm amazed at what Liam did and managed this weekend. But yeah, that was a big story of Friday night. So everyone was kind of waiting for updates there. We were going down um, through the paddock to try and find any scoops or what people knew. But as a no surprise, people at Alpha Tauri remained fairly tight-lipped. So it was a case of just waiting for the information to be made public. Um, but we did spot Liam Lawson going into the Friday evening driver's briefing, which kind of gave some indication. Like I'd spotted him, he was in the paddock over the weekend and I recognized, like remembered that when Ricardo was hurt and I thought, well, Liam is here and he's a reserve driver. So that's probably some weight of Alpha Tauri and Red Bull's mind. But yeah, he then attended the driver's briefing, which actually isn't too rare. Um, a lot of reserve drivers will attend those driver briefings. Somebody mentioned to me that Ricardo has been in quite a lot this year um, with the Red Bull guys just to kind of get familiar and be, you know, just in them and present in the moment. So it's not, it wasn't a case of like, yeah, it's a done deal because, you know, any driver can kind of go in there if they want to. A few hours later, yeah, we got the confirmation that Daniel had suffered this break and Liam would be 
in his place. And to give Liam Lawson credit, he did a great job this weekend. Uh, the race, especially in those crazy conditions, he managed to finish 13th and ahead of a lot of well-respected people in Formula One. Yeah, credit to Liam for, for navigating those wet and wild conditions on Sunday so well. Qualifying, there's maybe still some room to improve, but generally, yeah, he had a little spin as well in FP3, but, you know, at least he didn't end up in the wall like the Haas drivers, both Kevin Magnussen and Nico Hulkenberg, both caused red flags and caused a lot of expensive damage to those Haas cars this weekend. So at least Liam didn't join that kind of club. But four driver changes now at Alpha Tauri in that other seat is a lot. And I'm expecting Alpha Tauri are crying out for some consistency now because although, you know, three talented drivers in that car with DeVries, Ricardo, and now Lawson, the reality is that the feedback they need, each driver is completely different with the feedback that they give, um, both in how they explain it, how they describe it. So that's not going to be very helpful for Alpha Tauri, I can imagine but perhaps by having lots of different people explain it in different ways maybe that will be beneficial I don't know I'm not a, an engineer or anybody like that so but I imagine by having one person who can tell you from the start of the season to the end of the season how the upgrades are working how this is happening it's going to be better than having lots of jumbled feedback on different things I have to give a shout out to the Dutch Grand Prix organizers or at least the people that looked after the media center this weekend. Obviously, it's only my second time as accredited media in Formula One, but we had the most amazing service from them, whether that was bringing over... Well, on the Friday, they brought round a tub of celebrations and were giving media <laughs> chocolates. And that, for me, I mean, maybe my standards are too low, but I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, I've just been given a little Twix bar and I just thought it was a really thoughtful gesture. And then on the Saturday, they came round with a trolley and were giving us all these cookies, which they said were the best biscuits that you could buy in Amsterdam. So that must have been quite a journey to get them all made and then all bought over to Zandvoort. And yeah, these cookies are amazing, actually. I wanted to try and save them for as long as I could. And I also wanted to bring some back to the UK to let my brother try because he also has a sweet tooth like me. And I thought these are a really nice gift. I want to share them. So I actually had the remaining cookie this morning and it was really really good but that was such a sweet and kind gesture and then on the Sunday they gave us all a bag of licorice which I actually despise licorice so I'm probably going to give that to my mum so mum if you're listening to this episode there's a bag of licorice on its way to you but they also had a little ceramic windmill in there. Obviously, the Netherlands known for their windmills. So I'm going to find somewhere, I'm sure, to proudly display that. Just all these little gestures I thought were so lovely. And yeah, the people themselves were so polite and kind. And yeah, I really have nothing bad to say about the way that the media were looked after. We had media shuttles as well. So if you wanted to go from the entrance of the circuit to the media centre... We walked it a couple of times, including on the Saturday when it was chucking it down with rain. But they had little golf buggies that you could hop on and hop off. And just everyone was so cheery and happy. It was a really lovely atmosphere. And uh, the media centre, I mean, media centres are kind of... They are what they say on the tin. You've got lots of TVs that you can watch the racing from. There's no commentary broadcast in the media centre, which I thought was quite an interesting thing that I didn't know. You do hear the radio messages. So if Alex Alban says something on the radio, um, you can hear that audio bite, but you don't hear any of like Alex Jakes or Crofty or anyone like that, which... 
yeah, it's actually quite nice to watch it and be able to hear it all without people talking over it. So that's a plus. And you also get access to lots of different data, which I put a picture up on my Instagram and said, it's like a data channel, but I wish this could be included more in the broadcast. And loads of you got in touch and said, oh, you can get this on F1 TV. And I'm sure that's the case. And that, like, I really enjoyed following along with it. But I also wish that that was implemented more into the actual broadcast with people that maybe can't afford F1 TV or can't get it in their locations. Things like the mini sector splits. I know that whenever we see people doing qualifying laps or whatever, we get the first, second and third sector shown. But actually having the mini sectors, I think is really interesting. What I'm getting to this point, I'm I'm not just trying to talk to you about media centers, but they have an area for, I guess, like the canteen where we would have our breakfast and our lunches and our dinners served in there. And this room had the best views. It was like I was in Paddock Club. It was directly over the Ferrari and the Mercedes garages. And I could see Red Bulls where they were doing their pit stops. I could see Alpine and I could just about see McLaren. But I was just amazed and because of the job that I was doing this weekend I don't have to write many I don't have to write any reports basically I was there to do my one-on-one interviews um, and things like that so I just took as much time as I could being able to actually watch the on-track action with my own eyes and not have to do it through a TV because it seems so crazy that I understand for lots of journalists they have to do it of sitting at a screen and watching it but you've actually got the action happening a couple of meters away from you so I took that opportunity to watch as much as I could and also just try and learn and absorb as much as I can also meant that come race day guys I saw the Ferrari Charles Leclerc stop in real life and that was something because you could see Leclerc come in the rain was absolutely chucking it down by this point but yeah Leclerc came in came into his pit stop and then (laughs) it was like oh my gosh there are no tires there's literally no tires he's come into a pit stop and they're sat there ready to take off the slicks that he had on but there were no other tires available but then it has transpired that that was his call to come in early and actually the time wasted for bringing out the intermediate tires might not have been so bad compared to you know suddenly going off at turn one because you had slicks on and it was absolutely peltering it down with rain so yeah that was certainly something interesting there and I was like oh my gosh I've just seen that happen in real time but uh yeah the pit lane there is so narrow and also I've got so many thoughts on what I saw but the speed that these cars go at obviously I'm stationary seeing them hammer it down the straight there and even in the wet weather conditions I'm just in awe of how fast these cars go and seeing the spray and everything like that also the Dutch fans know how to party they obviously had the insane sort of grid that they had going on with the DJs and in between sessions they were playing the loudest tunes we could hear it in the media center we'd be trying to work and you could just hear like in the background which for some people like I wasn't too bothered because it didn't really affect me too much but I I assume for people that were really on tight deadlines trying to focus in that was probably a bit annoying because the DJ booth was almost directly above the media center bar a few levels but I wanted to make sure I caught as much on track action this weekend and learned as much as I can with my little eyeballs. Then the final thing, which was almost like a bow on the top of an amazing weekend, the cherry on top of the cake, if you will, is I got to see Steve Carell in person. And I don't want to say I got the chance to meet him because whenever somebody says that, I'm like, yeah, but 
Did you meet them or did you just have a five second conversation with them? I knew Steve Carell was going to be at the Grand Prix because there's a document that goes out at the start of a weekend and it says who the known figures are going to be at the weekend's race. So I guess you can maybe swat up a little bit if you see them on the grid, that kind of thing. And yeah, it said that Steve Carell was going to be there. And when I knew that, I freaked out because I am such a huge lover of The Office, especially the US office. That is my go-to show. That's my comfort show. It's my little blanket. And regardless of what mood I'm in, I will always just put on The Office, whether I am in a really happy mood, whether I'm having a really down day and I need cheering up like that show is it for me. And I must have rewatched it now about six, seven times. It's just, it's the best. And so as a result, uh, Steve Carell has been responsible for so many like happy tears, sad tears, like laughter, every emotion possible through his portrayal of Michael Scott in The Office, as well as in Crazy Stupid Love, that movie. If you have not seen that movie, do yourself a favor, watch it this week and let me know what you think. Because for me, that is in my top three films of all time. And that's the same kind of feeling. I can watch that movie whenever I feel like I just need a nice warm hug and a bit of a laugh. Crazy Stupid Love is that movie for me. So Steve Carell has played such a huge part in a lot of my life without getting too soppy and so when I heard that he was going to be at the Grand Prix I was like oh my gosh this is this is insane I cannot wait hopefully to get a glimpse of him let alone get a, a picture with him which I actually managed to which is insane yeah so he was there at the race and he was with Red Bull racing this weekend and he came out of the Red Bull hospitality and actually I have to give a shout out to Matt and Tommy because they were in the paddock this weekend, which was also another reason why this weekend was amazing because I got to see two of my best mates at the racetrack and the three of us hang out quite a bit this weekend, which was really, really cool and just such a nice reflection of how far we've all come, even in the space of the last six months. So that was awesome. But yeah, they were with um, Red Bull and in their energy station and they could see that Steve was coming um, out from having some lunch and they also know how much I love Steve Carell. We all do. I mean, who doesn't? That's the other thing who doesn't love Steve Carell and they sort of gave me the heads up that he was going to be coming out shortly so I was ready there and uh, yeah he walked down the ramp thing and was going to walk I guess to the grid or something like that and I can't tell you the last time I was that starstruck because I didn't have a, much of a voice I saw him there and I was like whispering I was going Steve 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 <laughs> and eventually we made eye contact and I said I'm really sorry you've probably been asked this a million times already this weekend but please could I get a photo I'm such a huge fan of you and your work and he was lovely he was like yeah of course no problem and so we took the selfie and normally um I, I don't know like there's a lot of not pressure but people say like oh you shouldn't really be taking photos with the guests and stuff it's not very serious but I think well as I mentioned earlier in the episode I'm only here once and it's just been a case of wanting to get some photos just to remember them by because I, I'm not going to take any of this for granted and so I thought that I've spent so many hours days years of my life watching Steve Carell that I can't not take that opportunity and like I said he was so lovely about it and I'm sure he I've seen pretty much everyone that I know in F1 got a picture with him this weekend so he was probably uh, selfied out by the end of it the last time I was that starstruck there's I've only really been starstruck 
apart from this weekend, on two other occasions. And they were both with F1 drivers. So please don't judge me for this, guys. What happens on the Small Talk podcast stays on the Small Talk podcast, okay? I know you guys are my besties. I know you won't share this with anyone. But when I met Nico Rosberg in 2015, that was a big moment for me um, because I had been a fan of his before. Even the idea of motorsport journalism had crossed my mind. I'd been rooting for Nico. And when I finally got the chance to, like I said, not really meet him, just literally get a picture with him, that was such a big moment for me. And I actually got quite emotional afterwards, which is embarrassing to admit, but we're all about transparency on this podcast. And yeah, that was really special for me of meeting somebody who I had looked up to, supported through the highs, the lows, all that kind of stuff in sport. And I really hope that everyone gets their chance to meet their kind of idols or however, like, you know, people in sport that you really appreciate and respect. But then obviously he retired from F1. And now it's funny because I don't think I'd have that same reaction if I met him again, because I've matured a lot since then. And just generally have a very different outlook to it but for me this was so early on in um in my motorsport sort of journey if you will that it was still still very new and very surreal and then the other person that i fangirled over whatever you want to call it was max chilton actually because I met him at the Goodwood Festival of Speed, and this would have been in 2013. So this was really before I had, I'd even started my blog, this was before then. And he was the first F1 driver I ever met. And I think the reason that I was so excited to meet him or see him in person, it was just like confirmation that these drivers actually exist, that they are real people. And that was a, a big moment for me is of seeing my first F1 driver in person and um, he was at the Marisha tent in the sort of F1 section of Goodwood. I remember I was with my dad and my brother and I pointed him out and went oh my gosh that's that's Max Chilton oh my god like, I just couldn't believe it and um, he came over to sign some pictures and we asked him for a photo. The photo does exist somewhere <laughs> it's so embarrassing Um actually do you know what i'll find the image and i'll put it on the small talk instagram page so if you're not following it already go and find small talk uh on instagram the handle is at small talk podcast or one word i'll put it on there for you but um it is embarrassing i had my braces then i was wearing a t-shirt that said dork on it because who wears that i mean it was trendy at the time to have these sort of slogan tees but so many regrets but anyway i met max chilton and i remember physically shaking that's how much I was so like amazed to have met an F1 driver that I was shaking for this photo and he probably was thinking oh my god what's wrong with this girl but for me that was such a big moment of like I say meeting an F1 driver in real life so I'd say yeah they're my three people that I've ever been properly starstruck over Max Chilton (laughs) Nico Rosberg and Steve Carell that's like the ultimate what do these three things have in common and you're like what on earth could they all have in common well they're people that Katie has been starstruck by anyway this has been a rather energetic and uh all over the place episode but i really hope that you've enjoyed it i know sometimes i get a bit not self-conscious but uh these podcasts are obviously me just chatting to a microphone kind of in that voice note style and i really appreciate that you guys are happy to listen to them through all of this because 
I appreciate for a lot of it, it's me talking about myself, which is always like, I get a bit worried that, you know, don't worry, my ego is not being too inflated, but sometimes it's a bit weird just to hear somebody talk about themselves. But these moments for me are so huge and I want to share them with you because um, I also maybe in a few years time or whenever, 10 years, 20 years, if the internet still exists and hasn't imploded on in, in and on itself, I can listen back and think, oh yeah, I remember that happened. I am hoping to get this edited and recorded as soon as possible. And there's actually quite a lot of F1 news going around at the moment. So I'm going to try and record another episode maybe later on this week um, and chat through the FP1 rookies, which is finally starting to happen again. Maybe getting to know a few of the, the rookies that are taking to the F1 cars. Um, Felipe Dragovic was announced today, so that's one we can talk about. Ferrari have got some new race suits for this weekend. We can chat about the Monza curse. We can chat about all of the various stories that have come out over the last few weeks now that summer break is over. Uh, but today, I just wanted to focus a bit on Zamvor. I will catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you again for all of the love and support on the podcast. It really means a lot. But for now, I'm going to love you and leave you. Thank you again. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.